Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan and Sherelle Basketball Recruiting, our second off-season recruiting show. And folks have greatly anticipated this show, but talk to me about what is the hot and heavy news out of the, all these camps and everything that's gone on over the last few weeks. Well, I think the main thing is uh, obviously Camp Johnson was the biggest deal. Um, North Carolina securing his commitment, and now he's a transfer. He'll be in Chapel Hill, and uh, he has two years of eligibility remaining. So that was a big thing, and I think that took up a lot of the staff's time, a lot of their resources, because, frankly, they've been fairly quiet as far as offering players is concerned since the, you know, the April evaluation periods. They've had one kid in, Jerome Francis. He is a point guard who actually plays with Sterling Manley in high school. He came through for a visit about uh, a week ago. So he's the only non-committed player that we know of who's been in Chapel Hill for unofficial visit since April evaluation period. So I think that shows that North Carolina feels good about the prospects they are after, but they also know that the players they have are more three- and four-year players on the roster. So there's not going to be that churn that you might see for a team who has a lot of uh, two-year players or, or even one and done. That's a great point there. I mean, when you have three- and four-year players on the roster, it makes recruiting just a little bit more peaceful, maybe. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think you could say that. Peaceful is an interesting word. They, they can <laughs> obviously start looking at the next class down the road. So if you've only got one scholarship for 2018, but they're still thinking about signing two in 2018, because there's a chance that someone could leave unexpectedly um, and go pro, then they can start looking at 2019 and, and trying to get ahead on that class. And 2019 is a pretty loaded class regionally at a couple of positions, especially on the wing. There are about three or four really good wings in North Carolina and South Carolina that the Tar Heels have talked to, have shown interest in, and probably will get more serious with it as we head into the fall. Yeah, let's take a question off Twitter. I know you posted that we were doing this podcast expectations for offers in the 18 and 19 class and why do you think uh, said players will get those offers and of course it's pure (laughs) speculation but that's what we do pure speculation um i think in 2019 armando bacot and i'm probably saying his last name wrong Um, i've heard bacot and heard bacot so we'll just call him mondo but he is a post player out of richmond uh, Virginia plays with team loaded on the Adidas circuit. And he was really impressive last week at MBPA top 100 camp. Um, he just kind of feels like a guy that North Carolina would get involved with. He's got, you know, long arms. He's not an a, above average, above the rim athlete, but he's a really good positional rebounder. He scores really well in the post. And he doesn't mind playing in the post. And I think that's probably the most important thing in an age when so many players want to be versatile and want to be able to step out to the three-point line which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but he knows kind of where he's going to make his money and that's going to be in the paint so i think um north carolina's watched him a couple of times coach assistant coach hubert davis has been up to virginia to see him Roy williams has watched him on the au circuit so and he also uh, had a short visit to unc i wouldn't call it a full official unofficial visit just kind of a drop by while he was in the area so I think for all those reasons, he's the type of player who may be in line for an offer probably at the end of July. And there's a couple of other players who I think are close, but North Carolina wants to watch them just a couple more times during the three July evaluation periods to be sure. 
All right, let's talk a little bit more about next season. I know you've been doing a lot of work um, with interviews and stories on guys like Sterling Manley and, and the new guys coming in. So Stefan Faulkner on Twitter asked, do you think the freshman bigs will come along quickly or will Coach Williams be forced to play more small ball this upcoming season? Well, I think it depends on what your definition of come along quickly is. Are they going to be Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks next year? If that's what coming along quickly is, then no. If it's getting better from where they were in high school, getting more acclimated with the college the college basketball in the North Carolina system, then yeah, they can do that. But I don't know that you can expect them to play you know, at an all-ACC level or anything like that. Uh, their job next year is going to be to defend and to try and block shots and to rebound. Whoever of the three decides that you know, that they're going to make their money, for lack of a better term, doing that, I think will get more playing time. But all three have um, attributes and skills that they can build upon. But I don't think you'll see them as, you know, anything more than 10 or 15 minute players per game as a freshman. Now, as sophomores and juniors, definitely, because they'll progress and they'll get more comfortable with the system, they'll get stronger, they'll get faster. But next year, I think it's a, it's a big ask to have them try and replace not only Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks, but also Tony Bradley. Let me ask you this. These pickup games that they always have um, in conjunction with Roy Williams' camps, uh, basketball camps and all, how much can you accurately glean from those pickup games? I know it's a huge deal on Inside Carolina's message boards with those reports, but as somebody looking at those, say, say our readers or listeners or Carolina fans looking at those, I mean, how much can you glean from looking at it? And, and when you see Huffman, two points, or Manley, four points, Garrison Brooks, none, what do I look at if I'm on the outside looking in from these pickup games to learn about these players? Not a ton. It's more a chance to just see them play at, you know, at North Carolina, the people who are sending in the reports. It's just more of the factor that they're there. For example, Sterling Manley has only been on campus for two days. Garrison Brooks has been on campus, I think, for like, 27 hours or 28 hours so they don't, haven't had a chance to acclimate at all uh with anything and they're thrown into a game with you know guys who played in the nba and guys who started in north carolina so i wouldn't take too much from it what you can see is you know how tall they actually are you can see how big they actually are you can see how they run the court so those kind of ancillary things that maybe don't come through on a, on a box score how aggressive they are you know how aggressive they are on defense you know those little things you can tell and that helps you formulate kind of what you think the player can be, how he projects towards next season. So I would look at it that way and not really worry about the stats or anything like that. And it's not Carolina specific. They happen elsewhere, but getting to go against known pros or some of the, the best Carolina players that have come through certainly gives these guys a hands-on experience at the next level, which they'll get into very shortly as the season comes upon us. Sherelle, let's talk about the latest additions to the roster. Uh, we talked about the Cam Johnson commitment as the last scholarship signee back on one of our WCHL segments um, a couple weeks ago. And since then, there have been a couple walk-ons. What can you tell us about Kenny Smith's son and also Wes Miller's brother as they've joined the rosters as walk-ons? Well, that, that's what we said, last scholarship. Yep. Um, Hidden so meanings. Exactly. We caught wind of the KJ Smith thing a few weeks ago, and obviously he's been waiting for UNC missions to clear him 
Um, he wanted to make sure everything was done, all of the T's were crossed and I's were dotted before he actually made an announcement. So it's kind of funny because uh, he didn't find out until, I think, Monday afternoon that he was accepted, which means he could walk on. And about six hours later, he was on a flight from California to RDU. So for him, he's another great example. He didn't play in the pickup game, I don't think, today. But he was in California yesterday afternoon, not sure what his future was going to be. And 24 hours later, he's at the Smith Center enrolling in classes and getting ready for the second session um, in North Carolina. So it tells us it goes to show you how fast that those things can change. Um, as far as KJ Smith is concerned, I think what he associates most himself with is winning, because the two programs he played with in high school, uh, Matter Day in California and then IMG Academy in Florida, were both winning programs, and he sees himself as someone who does the things that are needed to do to win, and also he he, he considers himself a pretty good shooter. Now, that didn't come to fruition his first year at Pacific, but I think it's something that he's worked on and, and is something that he will try and contribute in practice for North Carolina um, next season. He obviously has to sit out. And then Walker Miller is a 6'10", 220-pound forward, who's the brother of, of Wes Miller, who played at Carolina about 10 years ago and is now the head coach at UNCG. And I think the thing that's really good about Miller is that you don't find 6'10", 220-pound guys just on the street anywhere. So it gives North Carolina's bigs another tall person to practice against. And that is invaluable just because most of the time they won't be facing people who are 6'10". So if you're facing someone who's taller and bigger than what you will in actual games, I think that helps out. So it'll help with Sterling Manley and Brandon Huffman as they develop you know, jump hooks and ways to get their shot off. They'll have to do it over a taller player, and that'll help carry over into games. So I think that's where... Walker and KJ Smith's value value to the program is is in that they are better than your typical walk-ons and that they had offers from, you know, Division One school. So it's a great way to kind of enhance the back end of the roster for Williams. So uh, is Carolina done adding talent for the next season? In your well, opinion, we think so. <laughs> I think so. You know, they, it's funny that you mentioned that because if you think about it. North Carolina uh, had, you know, obviously 13 scholarship players, and then they have walk-ons. Well, look at how many players are going to be new heading into the season. So you have five freshmen, and then you have Cam Johnson, and then you have two walk-ons. So the majority of the team, eight new guys, will be new. Uh, it'll be just some of the players who were on the national championship team, and then eight guys who never played in North Carolina before. So it should be interesting experience when they start practicing uh, they have a couple of practices over the summer and then when they start fall practice to see how those guys integrate into unc system yeah you mentioned the summer work and those pickup games and, and other things that are going on it yeah eight new players on a, on a basketball roster is a big deal so while they return a ton of talent and everybody sees um, a guy like cam johnson and a guy like joel berry and pinson and all those guys back it's going to take time to get them all up to speed on the chemistry aspect, it'll be interesting to watch. Sherelle, let, as we talk about something a little different, you know, there's Romeo Langford out there, and it's a Louisville recruit. Talk to me just in your opinion about this Louisville stuff, not ne necessarily the details, but how does that reflect? You cover recruiting a lot, and I know I may be putting you on the spot, but what do you think about a story like this out of Louisville? I wish you could see my eyes right now. I'm like, what is Tommy asking me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, what do I think about it? I mean, obviously, it's not good. That's not something you want associated with 
a basketball program, any basketball program in the ACC, in high school, even the NBA. You just don't want that associated with your team or with your program. So it's a bad thing. I don't think it's necessarily hurt Louisville to the degree that many thought it would because they're still recruiting at a pretty high level. Their class of 2017 was, was very solid, and they've had a good jump on 2018. And uh, Langford, you know, he's an excellent player, top five in his class, consensus from all the major publications. So I, if he's still interested in Louisville, um, after all that, I, you know, I think it won't really impact anyone because the one-and-done players are the ones who – um, any sanctions or anything like that would probably hit the hardest because there's always a chance of a postseason ban and those type of things. So I think Louisville is going to continue moving on and Patina is going to keep recruiting and they'll continue to be one of the best programs in the country. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask you anything out of the way. Very interesting. I'll leave it at that. It, Definitely. Sorrell, what's going on the rest of the summer? I mean, we're already, good gracious, we're a few days outside of July. Summer school's second session is starting. We've talked about that. What's going on on the recruiting front the rest of the summer months? So from a North Carolina perspective, they'll finish up Roy Williams' camps this week. So those will be over. <clears throat> and then if they are going to have any kind of unofficial visitors, you'll probably see that happen at some point next week. Uh, because after that, the coaches usually go on vacation for a week before the July evaluation period starts. And those are three five-day-long eval periods where coaches are pretty much just flying across the country nonstop. So they always like to get a little rest and relaxation in before they're gone pretty much the entire month of July. The first session, the majority of people will be in either Spartanburg, South Carolina for the Adidas finals or in Augusta, North Augusta, South Carolina for the EYBL finals at the Peach Jam. So that's kind of the next big thing. Kobe White, Leaky Black play for Team CP3, uh, both Carolina commitments, as well as Jalen Horde, who's a 2018 forward that North Carolina has shown some interest in. And they are one of the best teams in the EYBL. So there's a chance, you know, Kobe and Leaky could come home with the championship after the first week in July. Um, and then it, it kind of spreads out from there into the second session and then to Vegas for the third session. And uh, usually what happens with North Carolina, we've seen over the last few years, is that Roy Williams likes to give out scholarship offers towards the end of July once the evaluation period is over. So, for example, last summer, Zion Williamson, Kobe White, Matt Hurt, and a couple other players got offers within the first four days, I believe, of the end of the July evaluation period. So Coach Williams and his staff like to compile all the information, I guess, from all the events they've been to in July, and then they go about offering people so I'd be surprised if there were any offers before then, but, you know, it certainly could happen. I'm going to put you on the spot. Last question. Give me a name or two that maybe we haven't heard that you know about or you've heard about on the scene that maybe become relevant in the next couple months. Um, I think Jerome Hunter is someone to watch. He is a forward out of Pickerington, Ohio, which is the same town that Jerome Francis and Sterling Manley are from. However, he plays at a different school. So Ohio State's been obviously all over him with the new staff, but I think he's someone uh, that North Carolina fans should watch. And then it's kind of funny to say, you know, someone people might not know about, but Nazir Little, he's now the number one 21 player in the class of 2018 from down in Orlando. Uh, he really caught a lot of people's eyes during April and then again last week at MBPA Top 100 camp. And he is tentatively scheduled to take a visit to North Carolina in August. Uh, he has a lot of family in the Raleigh area. So that's another one to look out for. He kind of fits what North Carolina is looking for. 
with that uh, one scholarship in 2018, which is the kind of combo forward. And uh, it just appears that this is the type of recruitment that North Carolina usually does well in. Whether or not they jump into it, uh, we'll have to find out, I guess, in July and in August. Good stuff, Sherelle. I know you got your hands full on many different fronts, but I appreciate you (laughs) taking time to join me. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. We got through with no crying, so that's always good. Yeah, and he's not talking about himself, folks. He's talking about (laughs) his young one. Sherelle, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Inside Carolina Radio, brought to you by johnnytshirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.